0: Voices are very distinctive. Babies know the voices of their mothers. Parents know the voices of their children. And when their children cry, they know which one it is. Jesus is going to teach two parables about voice, his voice and those who follow him recognizing his voice. The first parable, the people there don't understand it. So he gives a second. And even after the second parable, there are those who claim that he has a demon. We're going to take a look at what Jesus meant by these two parables, and hopefully we hear and understand his voice. As I announce each week before I begin the message, the message will come from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, starting with verse 1, which I expect you to have your Bibles and open there too, because I want you to make sure what I say is the Scriptures is actually the Scriptures. Sometimes I throw you a curveball. Now, Jesus, one of Jesus' teaching styles, especially when it came to the general public, was to teach in parables. Now, parables is kind of like metaphors, except not only does it compare something, it has spir- spiritual significance and so jesus is going to present two parables parables in this um, accounting of the gospel and we're going to see the first parable they just don't get which is not unusual because most of the people never seem to get his parables even his own followers that oftentimes would say jesus what did you mean by that and so hopefully um we will be able to understand what the parables are and to appreciate his teaching. And so in chapter 10 of the Gospel of John, starting with verse 1, it says, truly, truly, and again, when Jesus says, uh, there are some times when Jesus says truly, which is, is the truth, and usually, well, always Jesus speaks the truth. But when he's going to say something of significance, he'll say truly. And as I, in my little shorthand, when it's on the test, he says, truly, truly, which is, this is important, guys. This is important. So truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. Now, I know we who live in an urban setting have no idea about sheep to begin with, let alone sheep doors, and sheep pens, and whatever. So what happens is usually a shepherd would take his sheep out in the uh, pastures and different places, and they would eat, and they would drink, but then when there would be a reason for him to have to, to leave for some reason, so I'll give you an example. You don't think the shepherds, when the angels came and announced Jesus's birth, that they just left the sheep in the field they made sure that they were in a sheep pen protected and so jesus says it's the person who doesn't go through the sheep door and and we're going to see a little more about what a sheep door is that person is not the shepherd he's going to try to sneak in to steal a sheep and so he's going to kind of sneak in go over the fence or whatever to take a sheep or two and calm out where a shepherd knowing the gatekeeper, knowing who the shepherds are, will give them access. So he says, so that person who doesn't go through the sheep door is only there to be a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is a shepherd of the sheep. So again, Jesus said, when you, the shepherds go through the sheep door, because they are the owners of the various flocks of sheep in that pen, And he'll explain us a little further. So to him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own by name and leads them out. So first off, the shepherd will go through the the door, and the gatekeeper, knowing that that's a shepherd, will allow him in. Well, something significant here is that the shepherd doesn't go. Oh, well, I had to pre Paint or do something to distinguish my sheep from the other sheep. know the sheep know the voice of the shepherd, and when he calls them, they follow him. Voices are very distinctive, and they come on very early. Babies know their mother's voice. If a child cries, parents, and especially the mothers, know which child it is. Voices are very distinctive. So much so that even in the various ways that we, even people who try to steal your voice to go online and buy things or do whatever, they want to record your voice saying yes or whatever because your voice has a distinctive sound. And Jesus says, the sheep understand that distinctive sound of who their shepherd is. And you don't, and he'll go, Mildred and Bubba. And Frank and Lois, and whatever names that I might offend you. And those sheep come out because they hear the shepherd's voice. And notice, he leads them out. He doesn't wait for them, he leads them. They follow him. And when he puts forth all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. So the sheep are confident of their shepherd, because they understand the voice. Now, isn't it interesting? Other than turkeys, sheep are probably some of the dumbest animals around. And I'm so glad Benjamin Franklin lost out making a turkey a United States symbol. Uh, But sheep are pretty dumb. But they're smart enough to know the voice of the shepherd. And they follow the voice of the shepherd, because they know his voice a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the stranger. So when somebody else comes and say, hey, Lois, come, they'll flee because they don't want to be associated with that stranger because that stranger doesn't have that sheep's best interest. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So he gives them this parable. He goes, a shepherd will enter where he's supposed to enter. His sheep will know his voice and the sheep will follow. Jesus is in essence saying, and he's going to be on his second parable, a little more distinct. So we'll let the second parable tell us about the first one. Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So Jesus is going to narrow it. Not only is he talking about gatekeepers, he's saying, if you want to enter or exit, I am the door. You don't gain access or egress without Jesus. Again, Jesus is telling us not all roads lead to heaven. There's only one road that leads to heaven, and that road starts with the door of Jesus. You don't get there because you thought that Muhammad was a great prophet. You don't get there if you thought Buddha was a great prophet. You don't get there because you're a Zoroastrian. You don't get there because you're a good person. You don't get there because you're whatever. Jesus says there's one way and one way only to have access to eternal life, and that is through Jesus. Now, I'm sorry if that offends you. I didn't make the rule, and I'm not the door. The door gets to make the rule. If the door says I'm the only one, then he's the only one. So, yes, we're exclusive, but we open up the invitation to everyone. You get to choose. And all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. He's going, there have been other people who have claimed to be the Messiah, but the sheep didn't hear his voice because they weren't the shepherd. They were there for their own gain, not for the benefit of the sheep. They were there to rob and to steal, not to protect the sheep. He says again, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus just saying, it's me. It's only me. And when you enter through him, You will be saved. We church people love to use that word, and a lot of non church people, whatever, don't quite understand. Well, we use that word because Jesus used that word. You are in peril of death and destruction, and dare I say it, hell. But Jesus saves from all of that. And not only that, He says, Not only do I save you from destruction, I lead you that you might find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus' offer is not merely to avoid hell and damnation, it's there for us. To have an abundant life. And Jesus is going to say something in in the next verse, but I want to precipice it by this. Psalm 23 says, For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me to green pasture. They should be catching this. He leads me beside quiet water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of death, I fear no evil for you, thy rod, for you comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus is saying, We're giving, I'm giving you an abundant life. And the world wants to tell you, if you become a Christian, you will lose out. Because if you're not a Christian, you can grab all the gusto there is. And Jesus is saying, that's there to only have you to be stolen from and robbed. But I've come to give you life, eternal life, and it'd be abundant, a genuine life. And then Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus says, not only do I lead you into pasture, into righteousness, and eternal life, I am going to lay down my life for my sheep. Now notice, it's his sheep. not sheep in general. It's his sheep. Now there are those good people who do, in fact, they risk their lives for other people. We call them heroes and rightfully so. But if your child is in a dangerous situation, you don't wait for someone to rescue him or her. You go into the danger to save them. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to take my sheep and I'm going to lay down my life for them. For well, that's how I love them. He who is a hired hand. And not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. That's right. No matter what you pay the hired hand, they're saying, it's not worth my life. Your sheep, not mine. I can get another job. I can go to Bethlehem and get hired as a carpenter. I don't have to risk my life for somebody else's sheep. Jesus is saying, I risk my life. Not only do I risk my life, I lay down my life for my sheep. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. He's concerned about his own life. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. You see, that's where the first parable was so important. You see, the sheep know His voice. And when they know His voice, they follow Him. We who are believers heard and have heard the word of Jesus and follow Him because we know it's His voice. One way to explain that, there is a gospel that some people We'll talk about who aren't believers, and many believers don't know of this gospel. It's called the Gospel of Thomas. I've read the Gospel of Thomas. And I know, and no one has to tell me, it's not sacred scripture. Actually, it more sounds like a Twilight Zone movie about the one about the little kid who everybody had to please because if they didn't, they did all kinds of terrible things to. That's what that Jesus sounds like. The first paragraph told me that is not inspired scripture. That's phony scripture. Because his voice is not in it. As a matter of fact, I get really perturbed, to use a, a nice word. When I hear on... Generally... Christian radio stations, and you'll hear it somewhere. And, and 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 they don't mean anything wrong by it, but they'll talk about the power of prayer. When I hear about the power of prayer, it just drives me. And I'll tell you two reasons why it drives me. I've given you one example. If I were, my car broke down, and I needed you to come get me, Or I needed to go to the airport and my car didn't work or whatever. And I called you on the cell phone and said, Hey, would you come and take me to the airport? And then you came and took me to the airport. And in the entire way, I'm going, My cell phone is so awesome. It got me to the airport. No, it didn't. You, my friend, or my relative who I called, got me to the airport. So it disturbs me that we take a mechanism that we are told to do to pray without ceasing or whatever, but we give it glory rather than the glory to God who answered the call. So it diminishes the glory of God by saying the power of prayer. The second reason I'll tell you I don't like the power of prayer, if there was power in prayer, then you could pray to Zeus or you could pray to Jupiter or you could pray to Aphrodite or you could pray to whatever God you wanted to pray As the people, when Elijah presented the choice of Israel between the gods and God, and they prayed and they yelled and they screamed and they cut themselves and did all sorts of stuff. And then Elijah started mocking them. And the God of heaven answered Elijah's prayer. It matters who you pray to. It's not the power of prayer. Because if it were the power of prayer, what I would do is I would put a prayer down and do it in an endless loop. Kind of like the um, Buddhists do who put a prayer on a card and it whirls around. And every time it whirls around, it's supposed to be a new prayer. And so the voice of God tells me, give God glory. Don't give the mechanism glory. So that's my rabbit I chased in whatever. So the next time you hear about the, prayer of God, I mean, the power of prayer, I hope you go, no, it's God's power, and it's God's glory. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. You see, we should know Jesus' voice so well that there is simply no doubt. You'll hear people say, well, I don't know. You know, I pray for this, and I'm not sure, and whatever. Jesus is saying we should know his voice just like God the Father and God the Son are well acquainted with each other. I have been married to my wife for 51 years. It did not take me 51 years to figure out her voice. It didn't even take me to our wedding to know her voice. When she called me on the phone, I didn't go, who's this? Because I knew her voice. We as Christians should know His voice. And how do we know His voice? In my instance, with well, my wife, because I heard it a lot. We went on dates. She would call me on the phone. She would get me out of the shower. I would hear her voice, and I'm, thank God, and I still hear her voice. Even at 6 o'clock in the morning when I want to sleep and she wants to talk, it's okay, because at least I'm hearing her voice. Now, if you call me on the phone at 6 o'clock, I'm probably going to be rude. Call me back at some reasonable time, like two in the afternoon. Okay. But we know, and God's saying, and the Father's saying, no. So how do we know his voice? Read the scripture. Pray. Seek his voice. Then he says something amazing. Because the people of God, in this case, the Jews, think it's just the Jews. He goes, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. That's us, God. That's us Gentiles. We're not the fold of Israel, but we are of his fold. And I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. We don't have Jews who are believers and Gentiles who are believers. We're one. Now, they may continue to Uh, celebrate in the sense of their faith through following the law, continually not eating certain things and on certain days and worshiping on Saturday and we worship on Sunday. But we are one body. And we have one shepherd and one Lord and that's Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Christ. And we are one flock. Not them and us. It's us. For this reason, the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. Now, this is an important verse that we can dash by. When it came to Jesus' crucifixion, they did not take his life, he laid it down. He was not the subject to the wheel of history crushing him. He laid down his life as his choice. Because he loved the Father and he loved us. And then the Father said, when you lay down your life, you have the power to raise it up again. You have the power to lay it down and you have the power to rise it up. to Take it up again. No one has taken away from me. And this is before it ever happens. But I lay it down on my own initiative. And I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This is a commandment I received from my Father. This commandment, this commandment is as sure as the one that says, Thou shalt not take any other God before me, that thou shalt honor your mother, mother and father, that thou shalt not commit murder. God gave Jesus a commandment which says, You have the authority as your initiative to lay down your life and take it up again. It's yours. You can do it as you see fit. Now, as with most things that Jesus teaches and does, no one understands. And there becomes a division. One side saying one thing and another side saying another. A division occurred again among the Jews because of these words. They're going, what's he talking about? And so here's the division. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is insane. They're flat wrong. But at least they're... They're going to do what they think. Whereas you'll hear in today's culture occasionally, well, Jesus was a good teacher. Well, they're not saying he's insane or has a demon. Well, if he's a good teacher, do what he teaches. And what did he teach? I am the door. You don't get access to the Father except through me. If you're my sheep, you hear my voice. Are you hearing my voice? If you don't hear my voice, you're not my sheep. Oh, that's exclusionary. The last past number of Saturdays, I go watch my two grandsons play football. When they're in the game, I watch them because they're mine. I hope the team wins. But when my grandsons are in, I want them to do well and I want them to help the team win. And so, number whatever may sack the quarterback on Luke's team. I will never seen it because I'm watching Luke play free safety. He's over there, not there. When Joe's playing, I'm watching a Bunch of guys crash in together, and him trying to sack the quarterback. I have no idea what the free safety's doing on Joe's team, because I'm watching Joe. Now, if they're out of the game, I watch. I watch it like I watch on TV, because they're not mine, and and I hope they win, because my grandsons are on that team, and I hope their team wins. But I'm not nearly as interested in the team when they're not in. But when people say, well, he's a good teacher, are you hearing his voice? Because apparently you're not because you're, you're saying things, but then you're not living your life according to what you say. If someone says, this is a great diet, you ought to follow it, and I see people following it and losing weight, then maybe I should say, that's a good diet, I should follow it, as opposed to, that's a good diet, but I'm going to che- continue to eat all kinds of food I shouldn't eat. Kind of crazy. Others were saying, these are not the sayings of one demon possessed. But then they follow up by saying, a demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? So they're not looking at what Jesus says. They're looking at what Jesus has done. So they're saying, well, the demon-possessed person couldn't open a blind man's eyes, so therefore he can't be demon-possessed. Well, that's wonderful. But the call is not that Jesus isn't crazy. The call is he's Messiah. So you can have the correct answer here. No, he's not demon possessed. But you can still not hear his voice and follow. him. For those of us who have heard his voice, I pray for us. You hear it more clearly and clearly and clearly. For those who haven't heard his voice, my prayer is that you may hear it. And after hearing it, respond to it. Not as these who had no idea what he was saying. Oh, I understand. You are the good shepherd. I don't buy the lies that I can have a great life and not follow you. I can only have an abundant life if I do follow you. And I can only have an eternal life if I follow you. And I refuse to accept the lies of this culture and others, but hear the voice of Jesus, because he is the one and the only one who gives us living hope. In all God's name.